Good morning to all of you and a happy new year. We're in that place and time of life where we're right at the beginning of the new year where we can get stuck in our lives. We can get, especially right now in Charleston, what is up with the cold weather that happened here? I mean, it was insane. It, it got down to like 17 degrees and then eight degrees with a wind chill here in Charleston. So getting the scarves off and getting those jackets off and packing up all the Christmas stuff, we're kind of in that moment. And uh, this year we're gonna be doing a series starting on the 22nd of January called Uncommon. And it's to unstuck your lives from the status quo solutions that we all go through. We all kind of wake up this morning, and I don't know what your wake up was like. I don't even drink, and I just feel hungover just because I stayed up to 12 o'clock. So I don't know if you guys drink. I don't know how you handle it. I don't know how you function because what we did this year to kind of unstuck the, the New Year thing, because, you know, Dick Clark's been dead for a while, but they've been doing the Dick Clark show for, you know, for a really long time. But there's so much craziness that happens on that show, and you watch all this stuff going on, and these, these people seem to be so, like, out of touch with reality. So I figured, let's do this. So what we did was we figured out what time the Death Star would blow up in the original Star Wars movie, and we backtracked the time. So if you started the movie, at 10.02, at 43 seconds, exactly at 12 o'clock, me and Susan are sitting there, and just at, uh, at 12 o'clock, one second, the Death Star blows up, we're cheering, Happy New Year, you know, you know so that was, that was something a little different that we did, and then we were in bed in about like uh, 30 minutes, I think it was all over for us. But a lot of times, we find ourselves... We, we face the same problems. So what we do is we Google the same solutions that people have been doing and we get stuck again in the same kind of outcome three months later. But God wants to talk to us starting in January 22nd. It's gonna be an immersive time. We, we've, we've actually in-house wrote wrote devotionals, workbooks, small groups, everything about making your marriage uncommon not selling for a stuck marriage, making your parenting uncommon, making your devotion life with God, because that's one of those things that's easy to get stuck in, is your relationship and your interaction with God. So let me encourage you. I know a lot of stuff is happening. If your house is like mine, you got boxes, you've got those black and yellow box, boxes that you buy at Lowe's and Home Depot, and you're stacking them up and you're trying to find some room in the garage to put it there. But in the middle of all that, let me ask you to just talk to God about what do you want me to do this year? What, what ways can I unstuck my life and experience the uncommon? the richness of life. Jesus said that he came that we may have life and have it abundantly. And I think for a lot of us, we're waiting for that taste to hit the palate of our souls. We want that in our lives. So join us this year as we continue to walk out a solution of God for a common problem that all of us as humans experience. So we're glad you're here today. And, and Stacy's gonna come and she's gonna share about the majesty of God because it's so important that we get the first things first when we walk into a new year. 
instead of putting all the pressure on us to figure out what's wrong with us and what we need to do right about us. It's right to reorient your life back to the greatest source of hope that every one of us can have in starting the new year. So Stacy's coming and it's gonna be a great word from God. Thank you, thank you so much. It is so great to be with you guys uh, this morning. And you know, I was thinking about it this morning when I got up early after staying up late last night, not watching the ball drop, but watching a football game instead. Um, I started thinking about it and I was like, you know, I'm sort of jealous for, there are a lot of you here in person, but there are a lot online that are watching. And I sort of got a little jealous because I was like, man, those people online, they're snug in their beds and their PJs with their coffee right now. But I got in here this morning and we started singing Honey in the Rock. And I said, you know what? It was so worth it to put on shoes and be here this morning. It was so worth it. If you're joining us online, we are glad that you're with us. And those of you who are here with us, we are so thrilled to kick off this new year with you guys together. And I have to say, if you're here on January 1st, in person or online, it's probably for a couple of different reasons. Maybe it's just part of your routine and it's Sunday and this is what you do. But for some of us, maybe you're here because you are desperate to make this year different. Maybe for you, you're here today because you're thinking, I'm gonna start off better this year. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to be better this year than I was last year. Um, A lot of us probably have even made New Year's resolutions. I'm interested, how many of you have at least thought about making a New Year's resolution? Wow, not many of you guys. You know what I found out this week, actually, which is really interesting. Maybe it says something about our demographics. I don't know. But I found out when I was studying New Year's resolutions, the largest population, the largest age population that makes New Year's resolutions, 18 to 34-year-olds. Since I'm a little past 34, I just kind of chuckled at that. I was like, of course 18 to 34-year-olds make New Year's resolutions because they have so much ahead of them and they're so confident. And then after you turn 35, you realize, huh, it didn't really work out so well for me, right? So I thought it was really interesting. I found out some other things about New Year's resolutions as I was doing some research on it. The top three resolutions consistently across the board all have to do with health that people want to eat better, lose weight, and exercise more. Well, if you eat better and you exercise, by definition, you're gonna fulfill that third one. You're going to lose weight. Every New Year's resolution across the board consistently when what I was studying was all health-related. Other people want to, you know, maybe stop drinking or be kinder to people or read their Bible through in a year or um, do better financially, get on a budget, keep a cleaner house. I don't know. There are all kinds of different New Year's resolutions. But whatever you've thought about going into the new year has probably started something like this. I am going to do X, Y, Z. That's how most New Year's resolutions are thought about in terms of I am going to do this. I am going to do something. And today, what I want us to do is not think about what we are going to do, but what the God of the universe is going to do. I I kept studying New Year's resolutions and I found that um, they have been around for over 4,000 years. Isn't that a little surprising? Like I thought maybe Americans came up with New Year's resolutions, but that probably shows how self-centered I am in thinking that. But actually the Babylonians had started the tradition of New Year's resolutions over 4,000 years ago. Um, And I think if New Year's resolutions were gonna be our solution, we would have already seen a big improvement in the last 4,000 years. And 
I think we're still not seeing that. As a matter of fact, most research shows that 80 to 90% of people will not follow through with their New Year's resolution. So all you 18 to 34 year olds who are eager to do it, go. I believe in you, you can do it. Unfortunately, there is this day that's called National Quitters Day. Anybody ever heard of National Quitters Day? Yeah, you know when it is? January 13th this year. It's called <laughs> National Quitters Day because research, research has shown that by the second Friday in January, 80 to 90% of people have quit their New Year's resolutions. Amen. How fitting. <laughs> How fitting is it that seriously, Friday the 13th this year will be National Quitters Day. So all of us who have not made New Year's resolutions, just know on Friday the 13th, you can be like, see, I am not a quitter. I didn't even start, so I didn't have to quit. <laughs> um, I do think it's interesting though, when you think about that and you think about New Year's resolutions, because we make them or we think about them because we want something new. We want a fresh start but why in the world do we think the date on a calendar is gonna give us that fresh start? Why do we think that yesterday was December 31st and today's January 1st, so everything's gonna be brand new? Nothing in my life has changed in the last 24 hours. There's nothing about me that's different in the last 24 hours, but when that calendar flips, we think today is the day, everything's gonna start new. And honestly, a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists say the reason people don't follow through with their New Year's resolution is because they only start it because it's January 1st, not because they're truly motivated to change. And I thought, yeah, that's probably very typical. And I think that's so true. I think we really do want to have something different in our life. But the problem is when we focus on I am going to change this. I am going to do this. I am going to be different. I am going to lose weight. I am going to be nicer. I am, I am, I am. All of the focus is on us. It's all on what I am going to do. And very early in the Bible, God makes it known who the great I am is. As a matter of fact, in Exodus, Moses is out tending the sheep and he's just minding his own business, kind of doing his thing. And all of a sudden, God shows up and he tells Moses, you are gonna go set my people free. And Moses is like, huh, okay. But, but in case they ask me what your name is, like who sent me, what do I say? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. You tell them I be who I be, that I am the great I am. I am the Lord God and I am. He has always been. So the problem is we start our New Year's resolutions with my I am statements instead of looking to the great I am. God is the great I am. We start trying to make these changes in our lives by saying, I'm gonna do this or I'm gonna do that. And we will never achieve lasting change unless we start with the great I am. There's nothing that the world is gonna offer you that's gonna be enough for you to be able to do it. Only when we start looking to the great I am is when the real change will happen. You know, and I think part of this is because we don't really think that much about God. And what, one of the things that I wanna do today is challenge our thoughts about God. I wanna challenge what we think about God, how often we think about God. Some of us only think about God maybe once or twice a week. I mean, there have been seasons in my life, there have been years in my life where maybe I thought about him once a week <laughs> on a good week, 
But today, I want us to challenge our thoughts about God, challenge how much we think and what we think about him. Because honestly, the reality is, if you're like me, for a while, I have struggled with thinking, I mean, I know God's smarter than me, obviously, but he's probably just a little bit smarter than me. I mean, I'm just being honest. I don't think I would have ever admitted that in words, but my actions sure have shown that I don't really think God is way smarter than me. I mean, and a lot of us in this room, not me included in this statistic, but a lot of you have never made less than an A on anything in your life. A lot of you are really, really smart people, and so you haven't really had a need for God because you've just been very successful and you've achieved great success in your life. But the reality is God is not like us, and we're gonna see that today in Scripture. God is so different than us I think sometimes we think of God like we think of the office of president of the United States. We honor and revere the office of the president of the United States. If, if, you know, we went on a family vacation years ago and we walked through the Capitol and the White House, and it's very awe-inspiring to think about that. But when the president of the United States passes a bill that I don't agree with, I talk about him in a negative way. Or when he doesn't line up with what I want, I think he's dumb. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, I don't care who the president is. If he's become the president of the United States, he's he's achieved great success in our world, whether you agree with him or not. But so often we treat God like the office of the president of the United States. Oh yeah, that's it. God is so much not like that. He's nothing like that as a matter of fact. Um, It's so interesting too. I was thinking about like, how do you describe the majesty of God and who God is and the, the, the glory and the grandeur that comes with God. Because for most of us, we're pretty smart people. We understand things and we can figure things out. I mean, technology is mind-blowing now these days. I don't know if you have stayed up to date on what's happening in technology, but it blows my mind. And we as humans have created this technology and it can do amazing, phenomenal things. Things And so we think that we can understand everything. We think we can figure it out and we can understand it. And if it's not understandable, it's because there's no, no, no explanation. We don't understand how to do that. Let me give you an example. So this past week, we went on vacation. And my family loves me so much. They tolerate me taking them to the cabin in the northern Georgia mountains for a week. And I thought it would be a great idea this time if we went on family vacation with our 80-pound lab because she's just so sweet and she just sleeps like 16 to 18 hours a day and she lays in my lap and how wonderful that would be to go on vacation with our lab. Except I didn't think about the fact that my lab has spent 99% of her life sleeping on the couch in my house. She has not gotten in the car very often. She's not outside of the yard very often. And so we put her in the car and I assume oh, she's just gonna lay down in the back seat and fall asleep because it's like the couch. Surely she knows that we're just going on vacation. For six hours, my sweet little lab paced the back seat of the car like this. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are you doing to me, mom? I mean, she's huffing, she's puffing, she's pacing. And as much as I tried to explain to her, Sully, it's okay. Sully, just lay down, sweetheart, you're fine. Sully, we're just going on vacation, it's gonna be okay. Sully had no concept of what we were doing. I mean, she could not understand it. I was telling her, I was explaining to her, I was trying to calm her down. 
she did not understand. But just because she didn't understand, does that make it not understandable? Not only did I understand exactly what we were doing, I conceived it in my mind. I'm the one who decided, hey, let's take a family vacation. I looked at the place, I found the place, I knew exactly where we were going, I knew how long it was gonna take us to get there. I understood every detail of what we were doing. But my poor dog stressed out to the max because she did not understand. But it doesn't mean it wasn't understandable. It just meant her mind couldn't comprehend it. See, God has a mind so much bigger than our mind. Just because we don't understand something doesn't mean it's not understandable or that God's mind can't comprehend something so much greater. And I know that's kind of a silly analogy with my dog, but there have been real things in my life that have caused me to question God. Probably the same for you guys. As a matter of fact, one of those events happened January 1st of 2012. It was a day that I won't forget because on that day, New Year's Day also fell on a Sunday like it did today. And a family loaded up their kids in the car to go to church and a drunk driver hit them and killed their nine-year-old daughter. That's unfathomable to me. I have wrestled with that for over a decade. I've thought about that little girl, I've thought about that family, and I have grieved that loss. Even though I never met her, I knew of her. And I grieved that loss, and I said, God, I don't understand that. But just because my mind can't come up with an understanding for that kind of pain and that kind of loss doesn't mean that in the mind of God, he's not working out something greater. So we have to get to a point where we understand that when we can't understand something, we have to go to what we do know. And that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna go to what we do know. A lot of us have a default that we go to. When we get to a situation where we don't really understand something, we can't figure something out, or something bad happens in our life, we kind of have our go-tos. For example, if you all of a sudden start facing a financial crisis, what is your default? Do you immediately drop to your knees and begin praising God and worshiping God and asking God what to do? Or do you start looking at your budget immediately and thinking about what things you need to cut? When you're facing a relational crisis, maybe you have um, you know, a relational issue with someone in your family, someone at work, do you call up a friend and start asking them, hey, I'm really struggling with this, what do I do? Or do you drop to your knees and ask the God of the universe, hey, what do I need to do in this situation? Ben Acri is one of those that I think about who does that so often. Ben, I, I love working here with him because he doesn't understand something. He doesn't know how to run a wire or do whatever it is. He does all this stuff. He's like, you know, I just prayed about it and God gave me the solution to it. I'm like, man, that is not my default. That is not my default. I rely on my own understanding. I rely on my own experience. I rely on what I know to do. And the Lord has really challenged me to reorient my thoughts about him. So over the last several months, he's just really laid this on to me and just wanted me to reorient the way I think about him. And he has just impressed upon me, hey, you need to look at my majesty, my glory, my grandeur, my splendor, the greatness of who I am. And so one of the things that came out about that for me is the word extol. We don't use the word extol very often, probably never used outside of church, honestly. And extol is one of those words that means we are to elevate, we are to lift up, we are to raise up. It's a word that calls us to action. And scripture tells us to extol God. 
We are to lift our thoughts about God. We are to raise our thoughts to who he is because he is so different than who we are. But see, we're really intelligent beings who think we can figure him out, but we cannot. And he tells us that we are to extol him in word and in action. See, in word, I I mean, because... Like, this is what I do for a living. I'm a professional Christian, right? So I can tell you, oh, praise God, elevate the name of God, lift him up on high. In word, I can do that. But does that translate to my actions? And that's the real challenge for us today. As we change our thinking about God, it should change our actions about God. And one of the best things I've ever seen that's helped me understand this is a thunderstorm. Have you guys ever just sat and watched a thunderstorm? They are mighty, mighty powerful things. And I love watching a thunderstorm. The power behind the thunderstorm, the danger that's associated with the thunderstorm. And guess what? There is nothing I can do to stop that thunderstorm. There is absolutely nothing that any of us can do. An average thunderstorm, not a really impressive one, not a super powerful one, just an average thunderstorm can produce as much energy as a 20 kiloton warhead, nuclear warhead. Now, I don't know exactly how much that is, but that's pretty powerful. A 20 kiloton nuclear warhead is how much just your average thunderstorm produces in energy. We have a beautiful poem in the Bible, Psalm 29, and it's called God of the Thunderstorm. And I wanna read it to you today. I'm gonna read the whole Psalm, it's not super long, but as I read it to you today, I want you to listen to the beginning, the first two lines and the last two lines. Listen to this and how this poem describes, David is describing the majesty and the glory of God. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and siren like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. I just love the visual of that. Basically, this Psalm is saying, hey, all of you, you need to bow your knee to God because he's powerful and he blesses his people. See, the beginning of that starts with a scribe to the Lord, the glory due his name. He is all powerful. And I love the end of it. It says, and the Lord gives strength to his people and he blesses his people with peace. This all powerful otherly creature who is due all glory and honor and exaltation, lifting our eyes to him wants to give us peace. So whenever you come to an ununderstandable, an unfathomable situation, I want you to look up and I want you to exalt your thoughts about God. I want you to elevate those thoughts and see that God 
is involved even when we don't understand. When I read this Psalm, I honestly think back to Job. And most of us probably all know the story of Job. Job has become synonymous with suffering and unexplainable suffering. The beginning of Job says that he was blameless and righteous. Job did everything right. Job was a good guy. He did it all right. And still, we read 30 plus chapters of the suffering of Job and then his friends (laughs) trying to explain who God is. And I love it. After about 30 something chapters, God finally shows up and he shows up in a whirlwind. And he says this, so he basically shows up in a storm. (laughs) Can't you just imagine what Job is thinking? And God says this, dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. God says that to Job twice in scripture. Dress like a man for action. Dress for action. God isn't condoning, like he's not condemning Job in this. He's just saying, hey, you need to just pay attention and recognize who you are and then who I am. And I think for some of us today, God is saying, dress for action. Recognize who God is and what that means for us. Psalm 29 at the beginning tells us to worship God in holy attire. It it says basically put on these holy garments to worship God. And I think that's what we're told to do. We are called to worship him because he is worthy of our worship because he is so much bigger than our minds can comprehend and perceive. Yet he's the God who says, my ways are higher than your ways. (laughs) My understanding you cannot fathom, but yet come. Let us reason together. He invites us in to conversations with him. And we'll see that with Job, that he talks to Job. He starts questioning Job and asking Job all of these questions. And basically, God looks at Job and he says things, I think it's Job 37 and 38, you can read it. It's really, it will definitely put you in awe of who God is. He says things to him like, hey, Where were you when I called life from nothing, when I told the ocean where to stop, when I created the heavens and the earth? Who determined the measurement of the earth? Who laid its cornerstone? Have you commanded the morning since your days begun? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of water may cover you? Can you send forth lightning that it may go and say wherever you tell it to? I mean, God even said to Job, it was really weird because then he goes in and he's like, hey, Do you know how the mountain goats have their babies? You don't even know that, Job. So do you think that you can understand how the earth was created? You don't know, Job. You can't understand. And Job is sitting there recognizing and realizing at that point, oh, this isn't a God that's just a little bit smarter than me. This isn't like Superman. This isn't like the greatest, you know, Marvel hero of all times. No, He is completely otherly than we are. God is speaking to Job and he is saying, Job, you need to take some action. What action is God asking each of us to do today? He is asking us to praise him and to ascribe the glory that is due his name. Even when we don't understand what's going on around us, we are commanded in scripture to give God glory and praise because he not only is all powerful, because it would be hard to serve an all powerful God who wasn't also all good, but we serve a God who is all powerful. There is nothing that he cannot do. And in the same vein, he is all good. 
He is holy. In Isaiah, we see the cherubim singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is holy. He is perfect. He is without blame. And he is in love with us. Isn't that mind-blowing? An all-powerful and holy and good God. Isaiah actually says in Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with robes of righteousness. You see, so often we try to clean ourselves up to get God to love us. We try to do something right so that God will approve of us. And God is the one who clothes us with righteousness. God is the one who has brought salvation forth through his son, Jesus Christ. And before he ever created life, that was his plan. That was his plan for us to do that. God alone saves. And God tells us to dress for action by wearing the robe of righteousness that he has bestowed upon us through the death, life, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God is all powerful to save every single one of us. See, God looks at Job and he says, hey, can you thunder? Can your voice thunder like that? Remember back to Psalm 29 and it talks about the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord thunders Over and over again, when you're reading the Old Testament especially, and you talk about the voice of the Lord, it's so often described like this thunder. I mean, have you ever heard the peal of thunder shot through? I mean, just, it's so sharp and it's so loud and then flashes of light. It makes us recognize how small we are and how big God is. The voice of the Lord is more powerful than what you think about yourself or your situation. So I don't know what you're thinking about yourself going into 2023. I don't know what you think about the situations that you're facing in 2023, but I want to remind you this morning, God wants you to know his voice is louder than anything you have said about yourself. He is a God who is all powerful and can do all things. See, I think a lot of times though, we miss the Lord because we are looking for the power. We're looking for the miracle. We want God to come in and solve our problem. Just fix my finances, God. Fix my marriage, God. Fix my job, God. Fix the unordered desires in my heart, God. Just fix it, fix it, fix it. That's what we're looking for so often. We want the power of God moving in our lives. And the reality is he wants to give us his presence. And with his presence, there is power. We may not always see it, feel it, or experience it, but when his presence is in a room, his power is with him. See, Job was looking for the miracle, for the understanding, but what God gave Job was his presence, and he gives us his presence, and with that presence, he gives us his power. And it's been real interesting for me as God's been teaching me to reorient my thoughts about him. One of a very practical thing that I have been doing and not doing very successfully because it's hard. I'm just gonna be honest, it's hard. But one of the things that God has challenged me to do is to sit in his presence for 10 minutes in the morning, just sitting in his presence, not doing anything. And so for me, the way my brain works, I need something to orient my mind to him because my mind wanders. I don't know if that happens to anyone else when you're like trying to spend time with God, but because he's so otherly than me, I have a hard time comprehending 
who he is and, and sitting in his presence. And so I brew a hot cup of coffee and I put a timer on my phone for 10 minutes and I just sit there with my eyes closed and I just think, Holy Spirit, speak, here I am. I'm sitting and I'm ready for whatever you wanna say to me. Come Holy Spirit. And about 30 or 40 seconds goes by and I think, oh, I gotta go fold the laundry. So I take a sip of my hot coffee and I reorient my mind to God speak, here I am, I'm listening. And I'll be honest, the reason it's been hard and I haven't done it every single day is because there've been some days when the timer goes off, I'm like, I didn't feel anything. I didn't hear anything. I don't know. It doesn't matter. If I will faithfully do that, his presence is with me every single day. There've been one or two times when he has blown my mind where he's just dropped a passage of scripture in my mind that I had no idea even existed. And I go look it up and I'm like, wow, okay. And I love those days. Those days make it easier to do it the next day. But regardless, desire to be in his presence. And the way you desire to be in his presence is when you begin thinking about him and recognizing his power and his authority. Once we begin to embrace God's majesty and power, it's gonna lead us to worship and it's gonna lead us to repentance. When you begin reorienting your thoughts to elevate your thoughts about God, that he is otherly, he is mighty and majestic and holy and so much bigger than we are, it's gonna lead us to worship and repentance. Look to what Job says to him in Job 42. Um, God has spent two chapters basically saying, Job, where were you when I did this? Job, where were you when I did this? You have no idea, Job. But never was God condemning Job. He was just explaining, I'm way bigger than you are, Job. And this was Job's response. Job says to God, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. And this is the part I love. Job says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job was like, oh, I had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. I spoke of things that I really had no business talking about. I got into a conversation about some medical stuff the other day, and I realized like 30 seconds into the conversation, I thought I was Chris, my husband, who has the medical knowledge. And I was like, I am talking about things I have no idea about. That's what Job's doing. He's like, ooh, yeah, I was speaking and I didn't know. And when it says that I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes, Job isn't saying I hate myself. I'm a loser. I'm terrible. That's where I go. I don't know about you, but when God calls me out and says, hey, I'm bigger greater than you. I begin hating myself, self-loathing. That is not what Job is doing. It literally translates, I regret what I said. I retract my statement. Job's just saying, oh, now my eyes have seen. My eyes have seen. In Psalms, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is inviting us in to see with our eyes his goodness. Does it matter what happened last year, yesterday, last night, Today, God wants you to know he is bigger than what your mind can comprehend, yet he wants you to come and to sit in his presence. He wants to reveal his love to you. He wants you 
to experience his presence. Remember the the opening lines of Psalm 29 say, ascribe to the Lord glory due his name. Give him the glory that's due his name. And then the ending part of it says, and he will give his people peace. So no matter what you face this year, remember to extol, to elevate, to lift up your thoughts about God and give him the glory due his name and watch him clothe you with his salvation and his righteousness. I love this passage out of Job 37, actually. I have it on a sticky note on my wall in my office to remind me, God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. So every time I hear thunder in the sky because of that verse, I immediately remind myself, he's so much bigger, so much more powerful, and yet fully loving and good. The Apostle Paul says it this way, and I wanna end today praying this prayer over you as the Apostle Paul prayed it over the church at Ephesus. So I just want you to listen to this prayer and receive this prayer today. This is a prayer that we as a church will continue praying over you all all year long. As a matter of fact, um, starting I think January 9th, we've got our week of prayer coming up. We're gonna be meeting here um, that week every night at seven o'clock for prayer. But I want you to take this prayer in and listen to this prayer and receive this today. It's Ephesians 3, 16 through 20. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen, amen. As we move into this time of expressions, this is a time for you to respond to what God has been saying to us today. God is inviting you in. Maybe you came in today because you were desperate for the power of God to fix something in your life. He is offering you so much more. He's offering you his presence forever. His word reminds us he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And nothing you do or nothing that has been done to you can separate you from his love. And he's inviting you to respond to that love, to his glory, to his majesty, to his grandeur today, because he is an all loving, all good, all powerful God who's inviting you in today. So as you come up and you receive communion today, be reminded that it was Jesus Christ's body and blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And it's an immediate forgiveness. Remember that, give thanks to God for his forgiveness. Maybe for you today, there's just this one thing that you're like, if God would give me the answer to this question, if God would just answer this one thing, then I could believe him. I wanna challenge you and invite you today to pin that question to the cross and leave it where Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead on our behalf.
Maybe he'll give you the answer. Maybe he won't. But he will give you his love, his power, and his presence. Maybe for you today, you just want to pray with some of our pastors and elders. We invite you. There's prayer in the back. Or maybe today you want to stand and worship the God of the universe who spoke life into being and has invited us in to life forever with him. Father, we thank you so much. We give you all glory and honor and praise. We magnify and lift your name on high. We praise you, God. We thank you that the heavens declare your glory and night after night they pour out speech and knowledge. Father, we thank you that we are not you, but we are in your gentle, loving care. We thank you that you go before us and that you stand behind us and your word assures us that no weapon formed against us and no lying tongue will prevail, but you alone, Father, are for us. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.